Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Church, I'll never forget the first time, the very first time that I had to teach a Bible study in front of my pastor. Okay, I had been teaching the Bible for a long time, and, and you know, basically, we had uh, been sent out from Rio Rancho, and, and we came over here, and I knew I'd kind of come under the authority of Pastor Bill, and kind of said, Pastor Bill, you're, you're going to be my pastor, and we developed a relationship, but Pastor Bill was very, very careful not to let people on his pulpit that much. If you look, he didn't have a whole lot of guest speakers. And, and I'm just like, okay, so we started the Bible study here. We started in a, in a little clubhouse. We started with three people. I used to play the guitar. Talia played the guitar, and, and, and it grew to four people, and then maybe it grew to five. And I mean, it was just teaching the Bible, and I used to teach the Bible the same way. I used to teach the Bible the, three, the, the, the way I teach to you to three people and in a clubhouse. And, of course, we grew and we grew and we grew. And then it happened one day. As I was communicating with Pastor Bill, as I was communicating, he said, hey, uh, listen, I'm going to be out of town. Can you cover for me on a Sunday? <gasps> really? You know I mean? so, you've heard how I taught, right? He said, yeah, yeah, I want you to come. I'm going to be out of town. Well, no problem. So me and Athlete, we drove up there, right? Next thing you know, Ben's a millionaire, Ken folks. So we get over there, right? And, and, and Bill's gone, and I teach, and I love the people. The people love me. I'm not sure how the teaching went. They all, they're all real nice, you know? Yeah, it was really nice. Get out, you know? So I left there, came back, touched the Bible. Several years later, Bill calls me back. He says, hey, um, I've been real busy with radio. We're buying radio stations here. Da, 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 da. He says, can you come and teach on a Wednesday night? Yeah, absolutely. No problem, Bill. Where are you going to be? He says, I'll be here. <laughs> what? You, you, you're going to be in the church? He says, yeah, yeah. Now, I've heard a CD from you, and I've heard what people said, but I'm, I'm going to be here. So, man, you know what that does, right? I mean, when, when you have a mentor, and you have somebody that you look up to, and you know they've been teaching the Bible longer than, you know, I mean, you're just like, ah. so I remember driving up there, and I get up there, and, and, I, and, and so he's all, hey, I want to introduce you to my friend, Pastor Ben, and blah, 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 it's Calvary Chapel, blah, blah, blah. and I walk up there, and I'm just like, okay, and so I'm holding my Bible, and I get behind the platform, and I'm thinking, maybe he'll go to his office. Maybe he'll go to his office, but then I see him at the back of the church. And I'm like, oh, no. What am I going to say? You know, I mean, all these things go through your mind, right? I was like, oh, my goodness. And then, and then I see him take out his pen. He's going to take notes. I was so nervous. Can you guys, can you, can you feel me? You know what I mean? You know, when you're, talk, when you're just like that, that, when you look up, that very important person and, and, uh, you know, and I'm thinking, man, what am I going to say? What if I say the wrong thing? You know, what if I'm just, I'm going to be looking to him to just see if he's nodding. I'm like, okay, good. If he's like, what? And it was so nerve wracking, guys. I'll never forget the first time. And I think, man, what if he doesn't like it? He's never going to invite me back. Or what if he tells me to find another job? You know, it's like, hey, <laughs> You might want to go into sales or something, you know, I don't know what it might be. Well, all I know is this. All I know is I took my eyes off Pastor Bill and I put them on the Lord. 
And I said, Lord, speak to your people. And I don't remember if Pastor Bill, what he said afterwards, hey, praise the Lord, my church loves you, whatever it might be. But I remember this, guys. I remember walking away from that, that whole experience and realizing that God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. That's what he used. You see, as people got saved, it wasn't my eloquent of speech. I don't know if you guys know this, but if you've been coming here any length of time, you realize that I make up words. And you're looking, you go, I don't think that's a word. <laughs> I don't th- you know, the, my worst critics are my wife and my daughter. They sit there and they're going, did you know what you said today? And I'm like, I know what I said today. You know what I'm saying? That, that, I mean, that's, and it wasn't eloquent of speech. It wasn't wisdom. It wasn't like, Wow. Pastor Ben, how old are you? You're just like wise. You're just like super, well, that was deep, dude. It was not that, guys. What it was, listen, it was a simple love, a simple love for God and his word. And it was the message of the cross. Now, you might be here this morning going, Ben, 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 Ben. What does that story have to do with what with, with, with Paul is trying to teach the Corinthian believers? What does that have to do? Well, I believe that story illustrates, guys, the condition of the believers in Corinth. For you see, division was happening in this church. And we know God's heart according to the Proverbs. He hates division. He doesn't want to see us at all like that. He wants to see his family loving. I get it, guys. We're dysfunctional. I understand. That's family. But he says, don't be divided. Don't be divided. And so Paul goes, well, okay, okay. Okay, you go, well, Ben, what had happened? Well, teachers had come through, right? And then many of them were beginning to pick their favorite teacher. Oh, oh. And see, there's nothing wrong with having a good teacher that you like, that's someone that you listen to. I have my favorite teachers now. They, they change. Like one time, I'll be really into this. Oh, I'll listen to that, and I'll be listening to you. And, then, and you can tell who I'm listening to by what, what, over here, because all of a sudden, I start to pattern myself. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm teaching like him. Because I'm listening to him all the time, and I'm like, okay, I don't like him. It's okay to have your favorite teachers. Can I get an amen? amen. It's okay if I'm your favorite teacher. Can I get an Amen. Okay, we'll take that off the radio. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's okay. The problem was, guys, is that they weren't united anymore. And God's church needs to be united. See, they were following the personalities of men. They were following the person. Oh, I really like the way he does that. Apollos was just an eloquent speaker. If you, were, if you were following Apollos, you were very highly educated. And you were just, you would, you would, there would be words you didn't even know. Yeah, what, what is, I'm not sure what the, baby, what does that mean? Uh-huh, uh-huh, okay. But there were other people who liked that. The problem was, guys, is this, the people in the church were following man, personalities. They were following the works and the miracles rather than Jesus. Ben, 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 what do you mean? Well, staying in the context, this church, if you look at it, guys, from chapter 1, seems to be, I always do this, seems to be leaning, and when I mean leaning in, it seems to be leaning on the teachings and the works or the 
eloquence or the wisdom of these men rather than Jesus. And see, my job, my job is not to impress you with, with how wonderful a speaker I am. My job is to point you to Jesus. And see, that's what they, they're like, oh, okay, one, did you hear what he said? And see, they were following him. And, and a lot of the group would say, hey, I'm, I'm of Christ. And we go, how could you argue with that? The problem is that they were leaning towards the miracles and who Christ was rather than the work, of, the finished work of the cross. And see, that's, and so Paul goes, no, 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 you're causing division. You're causing division. Now, here's what we need to remember. Guys, jot this down. The church is a community of people centered around Jesus, not men. Do you hear me? That's what the church needs to be. Listen, I understand that a lot of you kind of go, man, I relate to Pastor Ben. He teaches it at a level that I can understand. But if Pastor Ben, for some reason, was no longer here, we're still a church. Can I get an amen? We're still a church. Because it's not centered around one person, it's centered around Jesus. Anytime we get in leadership, Stephen knows this, anytime we get in leadership, we say, listen, not one of us is expendable here. It's about Jesus. If somebody says, hey, I'm out, the church goes, continues. Why? Because we need to pre- preach Jesus. That's what's going on. We need to preach Jesus. We need to preach Jesus. Guys, I was a part of a church many, many years ago where the pastor fell morally and the church dissolved. Why is that? Because we're personality driven. I really like the way he teached. I really like that. Well, who's the teacher? The Bible says the Holy Spirit is the teacher when we come with an open heart ready to receive from him. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. So, Paul says in this book, guys, it's the message of the cross that's the power for of God for those of us who believe. It's the message of the cross. And if you recall, Paul's central point last week was to keep the cross central in our lives. Keep the cross. And you go, Ben, what, what exactly does that mean? Well, when he talks about the message of the cross, we can, we can interchange that with the gospel. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Can I get an amen? Okay, that's the cross. That's the message of the cross. That's the gospel. It's the good news. But we realize that when he says the message of the cross, the gospel, we realize is that Jesus died for our sins. I'm sorry, I get excited. I have a lot of sins and it's gone, right? Positionally, positionally, I'm going to stand before God and I'm going into heaven. Why? Because of what Jesus did. That's positional sanctification. That's the message of the cross. Hallelujah. I don't know how other people are going to take their chances with religion or heritage or good works or justification. Listen, I got none of those, but I got Jesus. That's all. Ben, what did you do with Jesus? Man, he's my Lord and Savior. By what right do you? I have no right to come into heaven but Jesus. When he looks at me, he's going to see Jesus. That's positional. You guys with me? The second one is progressive. It's called progressive sanctifications. This is our daily walk with God. This is our daily walk with God. Listen, when it comes to the gospel message, the message of the cross, this is what Paul is trying to teach the church at Corinth. He says division is coming from among people who are looking. What are they looking for? They're looking for self-worth. 
They're looking for validation. They're looking for approval. They're looking for community. They're looking for connection by the teacher they're following to claim. Right? They claim to follow. This is what they're looking for. They're looking for all of that. And Paul says, no, 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 no. Listen, when, you talk, when it comes to progressive sanctification, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's not only for when we got saved, listen to me, but it's for us on a daily basis. Let me ask you this question, guys. You don't have to answer it. But are you preaching the gospel to you daily? Are you preaching the gospel to yourself? You go, I'm not sure what you mean. Well, this is why the gospel speaks loudly. Okay? Why? Because everything in the gospel, everything we need in life, all of our worth, our value, our love, our acceptance, our approval, our community, our connections, everything we crave, everything we're searching for, listen, it's already yours. And when you have something, you don't have to go searching for it. Right? The other day I got in my car. You guys know this. I got in my car and I'm looking in the seat and I'm looking for my sunglasses. Guess where they were? On your face. Oh, they were on my face. They weren't even on my head. <laughs> and it's Natalie's birthday, not mine. She's getting older, not me. Shh. Don't you tell. It is her birthday, by the way. They're on my face and I'm like, where are my glasses? I'm like, oh, Boy, I call it a Diet Coke moment. Y'all might want to call it something else. But, but I mean, think about it, guys. There are, I, I don't need to go looking for my glasses when they're on my face. They're already there. And why are we looking for approval and validation from all these, from relationships? We're looking for, for hey, man, I, I want somebody to, to think I'm wonderful. I, I need some, some community. God says it's already yours. That's the gospel. See, that's the daily walk with Jesus. That's what he's saying. It's, it's progressive. Okay, got to grow a little bit more. Got to grow a little bit more. Let me ask you a question. If you were to go to the gym, I'm going to the gym today, right? And you go for 20 minutes and go work out, or at least you walk around the gym, whatever it might be, right? And you go home. Has anything changed? You go, no, I, you walk in, you go, man, I went to the gym today. Nothing changed. I still look the same. Why? Well, Ben, you only went one time. But if you were to go 20 minutes a day for a year, you're going to notice a change, aren't you? You're going to notice a change. I don't know when, but all of a sudden you're going to be like, hey. You'll be looking in the mirror, right? You'll be, hey. You'll say, enough about you. Let's talk about me. Or the other way around, Right? Enough about me. Let's talk about, right? Somebody's going to change. It's the same with God, guys, as you walk daily. You go, oh, man, I spent, I, I spent 20 minutes in the Word today. I don't feel any different. Do that every day for a year and watch what God will do. It's progressive. To preach the gospel. And then, of course, guys, the message of the cross, the gospel, the good news, is that when we come to die, we simply graduate from this life to the next. That's a good word, is it not? Graduate graduate. Guys, it's ultimate sanctification. It's when we go to heaven, heaven bound, heaven bound. And I love the fact that my God loves me so much that when I'm going to take my final breath, notice when you're born, what's the very first thing that the babies do? They breathe in and then they cry. Right? 
when we die, the very last thing that happens is we exhale. We exhale. So we graduate. Graduate. And this body stays here. So I it can stay here. Because I'm six foot one in heaven. I'm a lot taller in heaven. I've got just a, just a great singing voice in heaven. See, I've already picked myself. I don't know if y'all have y'all have you already picked your heaven your heavenly body out? Have you already said, hey, I, I need to be a little taller, I need to be a little bit got a little bit more muscles. None of you are buying that. Okay, I get it. So what does Paul do? Paul Paul preached to us last week. He says the message of the cross, listen, is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, notice quotes, being saved, it's the power of God. I just gave you, this is how you're being saved. It's, it's positional, it's progressive, and then it's ultimate. It's ultimate. Well, today he's continuing the same thought, okay? He's going to teach us, listen to me, that not only the message of the cross is foolish to those who don't believe, but God uses who would commonly be called foolish, weak, and of no consequence to convey the message. He uses us. Now, keep this in mind, guys, as we make our way through. An illustration of this truth was in their own church. This is what blows my mind. You go, Ben, how so? How was this? In this church, guys, there were not so many wise. There were not so many mighty. There were not so many noble. Guess what? At the church of Corinth were just plain people who heard the message of the cross, fell in love with Jesus, and that's the power of God. That's the power of God. Notice what he says in verse 23 as he's writing. He says, listen. Verse 23 of chapter 1, but we preach Christ crucified. That's the message. That's the message. Now, now listen to me. I understand that as pastors, we've got to study, okay? We have to give you the right information. We have to study. We have to pray. But really, the message is simple. It's Christ crucified. It's the message of the cross, now, the problem is, as he says now, to the Jews, that was a stumbling block. And to the Greeks, foolishness. You go, what do you mean? Well, the Jewish people stumbled because they wanted their Messiah, right? They, didn't, they said, My, our Messiah is not going to be hung on a tree. No. As a matter of fact, that's a curse. If you, if you read the Old Testament, no, 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 no. We don't want our Messiah to come from Nazareth. What good comes from Nazareth? He says, well, our Messiah should come riding on a white horse, not a donkey. Our Messiah should be mighty. That's how they're thinking. And so when you say, hey, listen, the message of Jesus died on the cross, they're like, no, that's not the kind of Messiah that I can, I can hang with. And the Greeks thought it was foolish. They're laughing because they always, they put all of their thought in wisdom, guys. They saw no wisdom. And why would anyone die on a cross? For they looked at the cross from a human point of view and they looked at it with folly. That's foolish. Think about it. Think about it. Listen, you're here on a Sunday morning, or first service, and here's what you worship. You're singing songs to, here's the message. Your God died on a cross for you. Of course the world thinks that's foolish. What we have to believe just blows away the mind of the wise. It blows them away. 
All our lives, let's be honest, okay? All our lives, before we met Jesus, we wanted to change. We wanted to be something else. We wanted to be whatever we might be. We, might, we didn't like who we were. I just want to change. Maybe if I change my wardrobe. Maybe if I cut my hair. Maybe if I color my hair. Maybe if I do this or do this. And We always want to change, but none of that ever lasted, did it? Until Jesus came in and did an internal change. And people go, right? <laughs> I get a kick out of Amanda and Josh. I get a kick out of them. Yeah, they're, they're here. They're going to get it. Two years ago, we'd go into Starbucks, and Amanda would be serving, and man, she, Amanda, how are you doing? I mean, I mean, I sort of knew her through Josh. She wasn't, she wasn't mean, but she wasn't Amanda like now. And we'd go in, and we'd get to know her a little bit, and Josh told me I'm going to ask her to marry me, and I knew even before she knew what was going on. <laughs> Everyone did. <laughs> and now, I know her friends freak out. I know the people at, at Starbucks freak out. I know that. Why? Because now they're in church at both services. For, I mean, do you see how that, only God can do that. People are like, dude, you used to be like, Friday night, party, hey, what's up? Game night. Now you're like at church all the time. What is wrong with you, Jesus? It's Jesus. See, there's nothing that could have changed them except God. There's nothing. There's not, and that's what he's saying. The Greeks go, man, that's foolish. That's foolish. And then he goes on, notice. He said, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God to wisdom, because foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Now, we pick up our story. Paul's still thinking the same thought. Look at verse 26 with me. You were there? It says this, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. That's what Paul says. You go, Ben, what did he just say? Here's what he said. You ready? When you got saved, there were not many wise, there were not many mighty, there were not many noble. Not many noble. Listen, God called them not because of what they were. They called them in spite of who they were. Are you guys tracking with this? This is just like, this blows my mind. And what he's telling us, listen to me, there should not be divisions in the church when we remember who we really are. There should not be divisions. How dare us look at somebody and be like, well, I've been walking with Jesus 30 years. You should just change your... You should remember, oh my goodness, that's how I used to be. Oh, please don't go down that road. Let me help you. My heart breaks for you. I'm sorry. Let us not judge people, but love people back to life. Because again, this is what he says. He says, listen, God called them not because of what they were, but in spite of what they were. Listen to this. There shouldn't be any divisions if we remember who we are, right? Where God called us from. Do you remember where God called you from? The life he saved us from? God called you not because you were awesome, but because you were you. Pastor, are you saying I'm not awesome? That's not what I'm saying. You know? You know what your next question is? Are you calling my mom a liar? Because she told me all my life I'm 
Awesome. I'm not calling nobody nothing, but think about it, guys. Think about it. God called you not because you were awesome, but because you were you. Now, let's take a brief moment, guys, to look at the disciples Jesus called. Think about this. I'm not going to look at all 12. We'll be here all day. But Matthew, think about this. Matthew. Matthew was a... Listen, if I was going to pick a disciple, it wouldn't be Matthew. He's a tax collector. He's hated by the Jews. He's, he's fighting for Rome in an indirect way. Nope. Matthew, psh, see ya. I'd rather shut down your tax collection and, and kick Rome out. That's what I would do. I would not pick you as my disciple. Jesus picked Matthew. <laughs> think about this. Think about this. Think about James and John. Would you pick James and John? These guys were hotheads. Jesus is getting ready to go to Jerusalem. Guys, in, in Luke chapter 9, he's getting ready. And so he has to go through Samaria. And so he says, hey, go, go over to Samaria and, and, and make sure everything's ready. I'm going to come through on my way to the cross. Samarians go, no, no, we don't want that Jesus here. You guys with me? And so they, they totally said, no, no. This is the whole town. And here's what it says. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven and burn them up? They're hotheads. Can you imagine? You love Jesus? No. <laughs> Toast. I'll show you. That, that's what I'm saying. Would you pick that guy on your team? Can you imagine your board meetings? Well, we don't like the way that proposal went down. Kill him. Golly, dude. That's James. Not only that, but they were mama's boys. The mama's boys. These are the guys. But listen, can you imagine? Okay, we're having a board meeting. All right, James and John, why'd you bring your mom? Well, I have something to say. My boy, you know what I'm saying? I would not not pick them. Tell your mom to stay home. These are my boys. These are my boys. James and John. And if that's not enough, guys, think about Judas. Would you have picked Judas? He prayed and he picked Judas. And this is the man, listen to me, the man that was in their circle but was never with them. And he ends up betraying him with a kiss. These are not the guys. See, see again, think about it. And the application for us, guys, it's the same today. God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. He uses ordinary people to do his work. Listen, we should never come in the church service and go, man, I really wish one day God would use me like Pastor Ben, or I really wish that I... Listen, God uses us now. Now. Ordinary. And this is what he's saying. And he goes on in verse 27, but God, this is, this is a life verse for many people, but God has chosen the foolish things, not that we act foolish, the foolish things to put to shame to wise. God has chosen the weak things. Can I get an Amen. To put to shame the things which are mighty. Look at verse 28. And the base things of the world, the things which are despised, God has chosen, and the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. You go, Ben, what did he just say? Listen to me. This is for you. This is for you. This is for you. God chose the foolish, the weak, the base. That means those that are born low. And the despised to show the proud world their need for his grace. That's what God does. 
Listen, Paul reiterates the fact that God calls nobodies, normals, and nincompoops. You with me? God calls the nobodies, the normals, and the nincompoops. Where do you fit in? Well, I'm a nincompoop. I'm a nincompoop. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. How awesome is that? How awesome that God does that. God's not looking. He says, listen, listen, my church is going to be full of those who have PhDs. And my church is going to be. And listen, if, if you barely graduated, if you barely graduated high school, you know, you can't be part of the church. God says, no, no, no. I'm going to look at people. And I'm just going to blow people away. Why? You know how you know how you know how we're blo- how the world is blown away. Just look at yourself. Just look at me. Listen, I had no desire to go in the ministry. I was going to be in business. I was going to be rich. I was going to have everything. I was going to own my own company. And God says, "Really? Go for it. Have fun until I'm ready for you." And then God began to move in my heart. I don't know if I'm feeling strange. I don't like business so much anymore. I just, I, just, I don't know. And, and uh, Lord, I don't know if I can talk in front of people. He, he, check this out. Check this out. Natalie told somebody the other day, I don't know who she told. She said, do you realize that Ben is an introvert? And she said, no way. I am. This is God. An introvert stands by the corner, just watches people, doesn't like to get involved in a whole lot of people, just sits there. I had to work really, really hard to get out of that, to stand up in front of you. I'm an introvert. An extrovert is like, hey, life of the party, right? Yeah, how many, how many extroverts I have in here? How many extroverts? Extrovert, extrovert. How many introverts know exactly what I'm talking about? You're just like, hey, I'm just going to stand back here. Y'all do what you want to do. When you talk to, I remember going to, I remember going to a business meeting one time, right? And his business, and, and I said, Natalie, they're doing this little function before I get to know everybody. I said, I hate to go to that. And she's like, why? I said, I, I don't know what to say. I'll, I'll go get a club soda, and I'll stand there, and I'll just watch people. And she goes, well, you need to mingle. Mingle? And what do I talk about? She says, nothing. Why would anybody talk about Nothing. Because I thought that you had to talk. There always had to be a point to the conversation. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You have to have a point. No, she just talked about stuff. Just talk about nothing. So foreign to She had to teach me. I had to go over there and I'd sit there and I'd be like, how's the weather? It's hot. Learning. You guys see what I'm saying? God uses the foolish. And, then, and now you're like, man, we can't get the guy to stop talking. I mean, that's <laughs> pastor. Okay, introvert. Hello. Let's go. Let's go. For what reason? Why would Paul do this? Notice verse 29. He says that no flesh should glory in his presence. This is key, guys. This is the truth that Paul wanted to get across to the Corinthians. You go, why? Because they were guilty of glorifying men. As a matter of fact, if you go back to verse 12, they said, now, now I say this, that each one of you says, I'm of Paul, or I'm of Apollos, or I'm of Cephas, or I'm of Christ. And then verse 21 of chapter 3 gives us the reason as he's writing this letter. He says, therefore, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. So he says, listen, he says, if we're going to glory in men, even godly men like Peter, Paul, Apollos, listen to me, we're robbing God of the glory that he alone deserves. 
love these guys. I love my favorite teachers, but I realize that that's just a gift from God. That's all it is. That's all it is. You see, it was sinful attitude of the pride that was helping cause division in the church. Well, my guy's better than your guy. My pastor's better than your pastor. Right? Verse 30. But of him who are in Christ Jesus, who became the wisdom, who became for us wisdom of God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that is it is written, he glorifies, let him glorify in the Lord. Let me give it to you in other words, okay? Everything we have, everything that we are, our right thinking, our right living, our clean state, our fresh start, our salvation, it comes from God by the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. And he says, and if you're going to boast, what should we boast in, church? That Jesus saved us. That Jesus saved us. Guys, think about this. When, you, when, 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 when we're done, you go, Pastor, that was an amazing sermon. What's my response? <laughs> yeah, isn't it, though? I don't know what God would do without me. You know? I don't know. He just gives me these great thoughts, and I just put them together. It's, yeah. No, no, no. My response should be what? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You, I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but I've been teaching here 15 and a half years, every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Sunday, every Wednesday, and every week I still get nervous coming up here. The day I don't get nervous is the day I get worried. You go, why? Because then I'm, I'm relying on my own flesh and not the Holy Spirit. Worship. Worship. Wow, what a great voice. What a great voice. What should be our response? Oh, man, praise the Lord. And I mean sincerely, right? Because we can also be prideful in our humility. Oh, praise God. Yeah, I'm so humble. Praise the Lord. Just, yeah, man, wow. 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 See, that's what he's saying right here, guys. He's saying. How do we respond? It may not even be church stuff. But your boss might come to you and say, man, good job. I am lucky to have you on my team. And you go, thank you, Jesus. Because, Lord, I realize you gave me the ability to do this. You gave me the ability, the desire. You gave me this job. See, listen, Christian, listen. Every one of us think that our life is just, oh, well, circumstantially this happened. This happenstance. No, God is directing every single one of us every single time, every single place. And when you apply for a job and you don't get it, you can thank the Lord. Because he sees things in there that you don't see. But God, I just wanted to say it was was $14 an hour. And I needed to make, you know, God's going, no, 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 you don't understand. This could have ruined your marriage. This could have ruined your. We give God the glory. Amen. Amen. So as we, as we continue on, and we'll move a little bit faster, in chapter 2, okay, Paul illustrates what he's trying to communicate. I love that. Paul is always... And here's an illustration, guys. If you're building a house, an illustration is simply a window so that you can look in and get an idea of how the house is, okay? Robbie builds houses. He builds a lot of windows, lots of illustrations, okay? So, so there you go. See, now you got it, Robbie. Now, now you know, this is the illustration, okay? So that's what he's going to do, okay? So what's the illustration? The gospel centers around the cross, Okay, so let me remind you, 
guys, where Paul came from before he planted church. Let me tell you why he's going to give an illustration. In Acts chapter 17, jot this down. Paul was working in Thessalonica, then he went over to Berea, and then he ended up in Athens right before he came to Corinth, okay? And while he was in Athens, he was waiting for Silas and Timothy, and he began to notice that there were many idols in Athens. He looks around and goes, man, these, there's just a lot of idols here, okay? That's what he's doing. And Paul begins to reason with them. He preaches Christ crucified, just like he does anywhere else. He talked about the resurrection, and that's where he lost them. According to Acts chapter 17, 32 to 34, he says, And when they heard the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, while others said, Well, we'll hear you again on this matter. You see someone like, <laughs> Resurrection of the dead. <laughs> Paul, you cracked me up. Others were like, Oh, well, that's interesting. This is Athens, okay? However, some men joined him and believed among them is a couple of guys here and a woman named Demarius and others with them. So he had a little group of converts. Some said, oh, okay, amen. So as he left Athens, guys, he was, he was, he was really discouraged. He's really discouraged. Notice in verse 1, he says, and I, brethren, when I came to you, he says, I didn't come with excellent of speech or wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. Okay, so when he left, he says, I remember Acts 18, 1 through 18, and he says, and, and when I came to you guys, he says, I didn't come with just this great wisdom. Listen, I didn't go to the amphitheater and set up chairs and go, now hear this. He says, I came, and I came with the wisdom of this, the testimony of God. And the testimony of God, guys, in the Greek phrase, and I'll butcher it if I try to tell you it, but it refers to the news about God's redemptive work through the, to the crucifixion of, the, of Jesus Christ. So he said, I just came and I'm preaching Christ. That's what I did. And then verse 2, he says, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's all I wanted to preach. That's all that really matters. Verse 3, he says, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and much trembling. And you go, wait, 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 time out, Ben. Why would Paul do this? is Paul. This is the Apostle Paul. I could see if this was my first mission trip, but this is Paul. Here's why. Listen to me. Listen, he says, and he's honest. Don't you just love Paul's honesty? Now, right now, he says, Paul says, I was weak and in fear. Why? Because remember, he left Athens so discouraged. He preached Christ, and everywhere else preached Christ, people came to know him. And in Athens, where it was worldly wisdom, they're like, <laughs> they laughed at him. They scorned him. They mocked him. And then others said, oh, we might hear about this later. Man, if you come back tomorrow, we might be here. But they were listening to all kinds of other worldly wisdom. Check it out. Check it out. So he's discouraged there. He's also worried about the church he planted in Thessalonica. He's worried about those believers because Paul's heart goes, listen, I just want to make sure that you guys are being fed and you're growing. So Paul understood that. So when he got, by the time he got to Corinth, guys, he was just really just, he just was, had a lot of anxiety and he had a lot of stress. And he said, I came in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. He said, verse 4, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and the power, that your faith should not be made should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Where does the faith come from, guys? Not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. 
when you look at your life and when you got saved, you may not even remember the pastor who gave the invitation. But you go, I remember what God was doing in my heart. And I knew I was wrong. And I knew I needed to get saved. Can I tell you how this works in my life? I will do a non-evangelistic message. It'll be a message about something. The Word of God, obviously. But it won't have any, hey. And at the end of the message, I have to go, hey, how many of you would like to receive Christ? Boom, 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 boom. Hands go up all over them. I'm just like, because it's God working through the hearts already. And I was like, wow. I, didn't, I, I wasn't even... If you were here a couple of years ago and we had our we had our Thanksgiving dinner, I, I don't know if you got that. I remember coming up here going, yeah, we just want to give thanks. And every pastor did a And I just did a little bit of a little bit of a, a Thanksgiving, not even a, a deep-rooted theological message. And then I gave an invitation and we had like eight, ten people up here getting saved. I was just like, why? Because it's God. Amen. I've had pastors go, oh, I don't want to give an invitation because what if nobody responds? I go, that's not up to me. I'm just a messenger. I say, here it is. Well, don't you feel awkward? Not anymore. I say, Lord, you know what? Praise the Lord. I can go to sleep because all y'all said you were saved. So, amen. If you're not saved, you need to raise your hand. You need to get saved. Period. Period. Okay. So let's close our study with this lesson. You guys ready? Now, now, now listen. I don't want to lose you because this is important, okay? Number one. Number one. Let us try to understand and apply the gospel to every area of our life, every area. If you're struggling, wherever you're struggling, wherever there's anxiety, wherever there's, let us, let us again, let us not lean into a personality or into a validation or to what this person thinks about me or my job or my career, but let us apply the gospel. Lord, I am complete in you. Be careful we don't fall into justification of works. Be careful we don't fall into that. Okay? Number two, there should not be divisions in the church when we remember who we really are. Can I get an amen? Why? I heard a story. Ryan might know this. You guys can come on up. There was the undersecretary. Undersecretary got called to give a speech, 500 people in the audience. He walks up just like this, and he's holding a styrofoam cup of coffee. And he's delivering his speech, and, and he goes, I need to stop for a moment. I need to share what's on my heart. He goes, what's that? He goes, last year, when I came to this conference, he says, I was the undersecretary. And you won't believe it. I had a car picking me up at the airport. They whisked me to my hotel. They had already checked in for me. I got there. Next morning, I got down. The car, same car, picked me up, brought me to the venue, he says, took me in the back door, gave me coffee in a nice ceramic mug, it was amazing. I sat there, and I drank my coffee, and I delivered my speech. This year, I'm not the undersecretary. Y'all invited me to come back and speak again. He said, but this year, when I flew into the airport, I had to take a taxi. 
I took a taxi to the hotel. I said I had to check in myself. The next morning, I had to take a taxi to the venue. I came here. I walked in the front door just with everybody else. I found somebody. I said, hey, do you have any coffee? The guy pointed to a machine over there, said there's some coffee and there's some styrofoam cups. I went over there. I poured myself a cup of coffee, and I came up, and I'm delivering my speech. And he goes, and you go, what's the point? He says, as I look at the styrofoam cup, here's what I remember. The ceramic coffee, the ceramic mug was never intended for me. It was for the position I held. I deserve a styrofoam cup. And he said, this is exactly how we need to do Christianity. As God begins to use you in different ways, guys, and people begin to recognize how how good and awesome you are, remember, you deserve the styrofoam cup. It's the position that they're going to honor, but we ourselves, guess what? We remember where we came from. We say, wow, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen? Father, thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. Thank you, God, that the, the power, guys, God, that, that, that we need comes from the cross to keep it central. Help us to remain humble in our walks with you. Help us to realize that there are none wise, none mighty, none noble, but we're all ordinary people loving Jesus. And that's the power of God into salvation. So thank you that we can learn. And we thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.